Hey, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Thriving Thoughts. I am your host, Dr. Sherry, and I want to start by thanking you for your patience. You guys know I have been so excited about having video for season four of the podcast. Now, you also know if you're a faithful watcher or a listener of season four, you also know that the last two interviews have not published video versions. That's because there's been a few technical difficulties. As with any new technology, and yes, believe it or not, video podcasting is a new technology, especially with remote video podcasting, there is a learning curve and I am learning something new and that will be for my betterment and for yours in the future. So I just wanted to say thank you very much. Today's episode is also not published on video. It is only published on audio. So wherever you listen to podcasts, I will post the audio version to my YouTube channel for those of you that are faithful YouTube subscribers. But this episode is only available in audio, as are the last two interviews. So episodes 98, 100, and today's 102 will not have video. I thank you guys for your patience. And guess what? I know it's going to be remediated and we will be back on track next Monday with an interview via video for you. Today, friends, I got introduced to this gentleman, my new friend, Ernest Bryant. Ernest and I happened to cross paths on the audio chat app Clubhouse And we now co-moderate a room together there on Wednesday mornings at 6 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time every Wednesday morning. We'd love for you to check us out there if you are on Clubhouse. So I've gotten to know Ernest's heart on that platform, and I wanted to share it with you. Ernest, in this episode, shares candidly some of his childhood and how he felt like he was thriving alone in childhood as a nine-year-old in the Bronx. He even was so gracious as to teach me about stoop ball. So if you're a city kid, this episode, (laughs) you're going to love, you're going to find very familiar. If you're not, you're also going to find very familiar Ernest's heart to share candidly as a man of faith, as a man of principle, as a man who has a heart for people like you, the listeners not the viewers in this case, but the listeners. He has a heart for you. And so I'm going to step aside and just let you join in on my conversation with my new friend, Ernest Bryant. You're my new friend. You're my new clubhouse friend. And I'm so excited to have you here today. This is the first time you and I are meeting face to face. We've had several opportunities to get to know one another through this audio chat space of clubhouse. And that has been a really serendipitous kind of meeting. And um, so I'm just thankful to get to know you a little better and to bring you to my listeners and viewers. So thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to start, I'm going to start right off. I'm not even going to give you the initial um, hazing as it were. We're just going (laughs) to dive right in. And I'm going to ask you, Ernest, Um, Has there ever been a time that you have felt alone in something? I can answer that question. When haven't it been a time? (laughs) Okay. You know, I I thank the Lord that I'm 52 years old. Yeah. uh, The oldest of four boys. uh, Okay. Coming from a single, single parent home. Mm -hmm. uh, Finding myself thrown into a leadership role before I even knew what leadership was. Mm. You know, I've, there's been times when, Loneliness has just been there. And I thank God that uh, our mother put us in church at an early age because mm-hmm. it was God who has helped me navigate through mm-hmm. seasons of loneliness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's two particular times when I remember being just absolutely feeling alone. Yeah. One, I don't know if you know, in New York City, we have uh, what is called President's Councils. Each school okay. have a parent, a parent association board or a parent association. Uh, and the presidents of those parent association come together for what is called the parent association president's council. Okay. And when my two oldest children were younger, I had the pleasure of serving as their school parent association president. Okay. And also the district five president's council president. Okay. 
And I remember one day walking through the housing complex up in New York City, in Harlem to be, uh, to be okay. specific, and praying to the Lord, God, I'm so lonely. Hmm. I said, I'm lonely. And I said, I, I, I can imagine how my pastor, who was the bishop of our church organization at the time, mm -hmm. I said, I can imagine how he felt having all of these churches under his underneath his uh his leadership and trying to minister to all of them yeah uh and being the president of the president's council I like god i have all of these schools that i represent okay and i'm lonely mm -hmm. i can't uh share with the presidents exactly what i'm going through because they look to me for a source of strength so okay so you i get it now so like lonely in leadership yes Mm. And, 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 and Sherry, I could tell you, uh, over the years when speaking with leaders who have a heart to do right, both secular and Christian leaders, yeah, loneliness almost come with the job. Yeah. Yes. It, 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 it's almost, it should actually be put on the application <laughs> that you will <laughs> have you moments of loneliness. Lonely. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. Well, uh, it, and that's good, but can't I, I wonder, um, did you, is that the first time in your life in a leadership position that you were in a leadership position that you, that you had that kind of understanding of this lo lonely space in leadership? Was that your first brush with that? Well, that was my first brush with it in an official capacity. I once okay. again, you know, stayed in being the oldest of four boys, uh, growing up and having the weight of taking care of my brothers, helping my mother without her, without her asking for assistance, mm -hmm. realizing that she needed assistance. Uh, even just two days ago, my mother and I, we were speaking, she's, and she reminded me of when I used to go pack bags in our local supermarket, Pioneers. Mm-hmm and take my money from packing bags and go up to 125th Street, which we call the heart of Harlem, okay. and buying clothes for my brothers. Okay. Those were moments wow. of loneliness because no one understood how I felt when I can't be out in the street playing with my friends because there is a need of helping so, my mother. That is so, so good. So you were... So now there's two, there's uh, something that I want to point out and talk about, because those are two very different experiences. So, but maybe not. So when you were little, a position of leadership was kind of foisted upon you out of necessity. And that's between the right? age of nine and 10. Okay. Yeah. So you, you were put into this position, this leadership position of your family, of your three younger brothers. And essentially the man of the house, as it were, if that would, if that would be the, the right term. So that wasn't necessarily something that you chose. It's just something that was right. Yes. And then when you're talking about being on the president's council, that sounds like a position that you chose, that you selected, that you put yourself there. Right. Correct. So this is, we're going to unpack this a little bit because right. I can see this little boy you know, in, in Harlem going one of two ways, I can see this little boy going, Oh my gosh, I need freedom from this leadership because this is too lonely. I'm just supposed to be a kid right now. Right. <laughs> and choosing to go about his own path in life. But the other path that it seems like you chose is always in leadership. So using that to continue to be in leadership. Um, so take us back to Ernest packing bags and going to buy his brother's clothes at the age of nine when you would have rather been out doing what? Uh, whether it was playing stoop ball. I don't know if you're familiar with stoop ball. No. Uh -uh. But uh, the stoop, if you had, uh, let's say, four, five steps leading up into the entrance of the building, uh -huh. you would take a ball and throw it, try to right where the, the riser yeah. and right in the center and see how high it goes and see if the people who was waiting to catch it could catch it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, oh, we came up with some, we came up with some games. <laughs> stoop ball. Now see, this is why I don't know what stoop ball is because I was not raised in the city. But what, what, you're being educated now. 
so there was there there was a few as we call uh hood games mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh growing up in the hood uh we had stoop ball and we also call had roof in the ball when we would see uh how high we could throw the ball up in the air to get it on top of the building okay <laughs> were there lots of balls that ended there up was lots of balls up in, yeah. exactly yeah and 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 then also we had one game that everyone know the sister the young ladies had their hopscotch and double dutch okay and the fellas had what what we call lodi tops or skellies okay you you would th- you would draw uh boxes in the street with numbers uh-huh and take caps off of bottles and put wax in it. Uh-huh. And we had a start line to see uh, what number we could get it into from one through 10. Okay. And we would try to knock other people's caps out of the box <laughs> so we could get to position. That should that really should be an Olympic game, tell you the truth. <laughs> I love it. And, and, okay, let's take note here. Listeners, watchers, viewers, followers. Hey, let's get our kids off of the switch, right? Off of the phone. Let's give them some chalk, give them some bottle caps, it, <laughs> and send them outside to play. It, it, it kept us. It kept us on the block. Yeah, yeah. And it kept us moving. And occupied. And it kept us together. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So okay, so that's something that you love to do as a kid. So you certainly got to do some of those things very guess, clearly yes. because of your memory. But tell us about, do you remember, or maybe you didn't even think, like, take us back there with you to this young kid um, having these big, huge responsibilities placed on him. What what are some of the thoughts you remember having? Well, some of the thoughts, and, and when I share this, uh, as, a, as a father, uh, I've I've learned over the years not to blame my father. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I learned over the years mm-hmm. not to blame him. But, okay, so is that one of the thoughts that you had? Anger That's, towards your dad? Yes. You know, disappointment, uh, uh, anger. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that my brothers and I, even as upset and angry we may have been, we never showed disrespect towards him. Mm. Uh, and that was because of the training of our mother. Okay. Uh, All right, Mama. The, I want to meet yes. her. Yeah. Uh, she she's a fantastic woman of God. Yeah. Uh, and it's her prayers that actually have kept her her sons and mm. her grandchildren over the years. Mm. Amen. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I remember some of the responsibilities that I had as I shared with uh, packing bags, uh, going to one twenty fifth Street, purchasing clothes or or buying milk to bring home. And also, when my mother was working, I had the responsibility at the age of nine mm-hmm. uh, and 10 years old of taking my brothers and I to school. Uh, our church had a school at the time called Christ Crusaders Academy. Okay. We lived 113th Street. The school was on 124th Street. Okay. Uh, and I would take the bus with my brothers from 113 up to 125th Street, uh, crossing the streets with them, making sure that we got to school and got home safely. And the Lord was actually, I thank the Lord, because when I look back, uh, it was only the Lord that kept us. Yeah, 100%. Now, how old were your brothers? If you were nine. We're we're four years apart. So I had two brothers that was, uh, I would take with me uh, to school at the time. Okay. Yeah. And they and they were like 5 years old? Yes. Okay. Wow. That's a big responsibility. <laughs> I think like that would be like against the law right now, right? Like Well, it 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 should have been against the law then, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of things should have been against the law then, but we're still alive, thank but God. We're still alive and it created character <laughs> in a lot that's, of us. That's right. That's right. So, do you remember like was it just going through the motions for you? I mean, I know that you said that you had anger and disappointment towards your dad, but did you ever ask yourself, did you ever get angry? Like, why me? Why do I have to do this? Or was it just 
something that you did that came naturally to you that made sense that even though you didn't really like it, you were like, this is my choice. This is what I'm going to do. What what was nine-year-old Ernest thinking? You know, to be honest with you, Sherry, I never had those thoughts. And I, I, I guess it's because it was just the Lord knew what he needed to put in me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it never came became a choice like, you know, why me? Or yes. at at the time. Now I tell you the truth, when I got older, when I got older, mm-hmm. uh thinking about how much responsibility my mother had and how I tried to relieve her of that, uh, we didn't always have the clothes that we need. We didn't always mm-hmm. have the food, but the Lord provided. Mm-hmm. And I think when I got old, not that I think, I know when I got older and I was started to work and get, mm-hmm. you know, as we say, big money, Yeah, I was able to big go money. and buy the clothes that I didn't have when I was younger. Yeah. Because I was given, you know, my clothes or whatever I was buying for my brothers. Mm-hmm. I would prefer to see them dress yeah. and have even before me. Mm. Um, and so... When I got older, I think I I know for sure that I began to, as they say, do me. <laughs> and I think the question, yeah. it didn't even become a question. It's like uh, I had responsibilities, so many responsibilities as a young child. Mm-hmm. This is my time. <laughs> right, right. You okay. know, this, and so that this didn't happen until I was older. This is my time to lead myself, to be right. selfish, right? Okay. Exactly. Which is fascinating because most of us, I think, we don't realize, I'll speak for myself, I didn't realize how selfish I had the opportunity to be. I wasn't placed in a position at nine or 10 to have the responsibilities of an adult, you know, so that kind of entitled me to be a little bit more selfish And I think it just, it, I lo- so I love your story, number one, because it highlights life. It highlights real life. It highlights life for many kids that are living that life right now that we don't know about or that we try not to think about, um, but they're there. And the existence of that truth says that for me, when I, I so, and I'm not comparing you to King David But King David was this like little boy, right? He was a a, a ruddy boy. That's the way the the Bible calls it. And so he was young. He was an inexperienced young shepherd, right? Um, he was responsible with that. But he was anointed king at a yeah. very you know young age, as were many kings in the Old Testament, anointed to a point of leadership um, at a very young age. Yeah. And he wasn't necessarily equipped at that time to do all of the things that came with being a king but he was perfectly positioned to step into that role it with whatever god presented him to him at the time so yeah. at first it was like playing the harp right and then he did bigger stuff and bigger stuff and bigger stuff so for you that's what i see like how cool is that that god saw you fit to be able to be in that leadership role at nine or ten Sherry, you know, you mentioned about uh, King David. Mm-hmm. Out of all the, uh, outside of Christ, Christ first. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about those who walk the earth. Christ first. Paul, a close second. But my favorite character, I would say, uh, outside of Christ is King David. Yeah. Um, and I remember sharing with my pastor. Uh, my pastor's name is Bishop Robert Winley. Uh, uh, thank God for Soul Saving Station Church mm-hmm. uh, because they really helped mentor me into the position and to the life that God wants me to be, wanted me to be yeah. in. But King David is my favorite character uh, in the Bible other than Christ because for a few reasons, he... At a young age, as you said, he was out tending his father's sheep, mm-hmm. taking care. And he was a young child. Yeah. But the father trusted him mm-hmm. with his sheep. Mm-hmm. Although the father may, didn't think that he was worthy to be king, 
or gave him other responsibility. Yeah. But when we think about back then in the biblical days, the flock was a huge part of their economy. Mm-hmm. And the father trusted him with the sheep. Yeah. And when I think back, God trusted me mm-hmm. with my brothers. Yes. His yes. sheep. Yeah. And growing up, uh, as anyone will know, when you work the field, when you work the farm, animals, they drop, you know, wherever they walk. Yeah. And David stepped in mess sometimes. <laughs> yeah. You know, as as we go through life, mm-hmm. and this is what the Lord shared with me, as you was going through life, and as you still go through life, you will step in mess. Oh yeah. Sometime. Yeah. But I'm still using you. Yeah. Yeah. Because I trust you. Yeah. With my sheep, and yeah. so when a, a lion or a bear came around, God knew that David will rise up to the challenge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and fight for the sheep. Yeah, amen. And did you have that same, surely you didn't have that same intellectual understanding. Of not at God the time. At, right, not at the time. But you had something inside of you that was saying, I'm here with you, right? I mean, there was something there to help you keep walking in that mess. Yes. And you know, and, and the thing about David, is it just you know, talking about defending the sheep? Mm-hmm. I don't think David knew what was in him at the time. That's right. But he just yes. knew That's good that wisdom. I had yeah. this responsibility mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to take care of the sheep mm-hmm. at any means necessary. Mm-hmm. I remember, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you remember when these, they had these big wheels. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, my goodness. Like they sat like flat on the ground. Yes. With like and the big one wheel in the front. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I can recall being upstairs one day and my younger <laughs> brothers ran upstairs and said that someone took their big wheel. Oh, no. Oh, no. What and, did, what did, I'm oh going to call my. you Papa Ernest. What did Papa oh. Ernest do? Listen. <laughs> Without even thinking, I ran back down, ran downstairs with him, mm-hmm. ran around the corner, and Harlem was pretty rough at this time. Okay. Yep. Harlem was pretty rough. Yeah. And, as you know, you know, Harlem was uh, one of the drug capitals of mm-hmm. New York City, so it's pretty rough. And So we're and, talking mid-70s? Uh, yes. Yeah, okay. And I ran downstairs, saw the guys on my brother's big wheel, and snatched the big roll from underneath him. And I'll whoever, take that. Be, yeah, exactly. And whoever began to try to come and get that big wheel from me uh-huh. was in the path of being hit by. It. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so I said that to say this is that that's all a part of defending the sheep. That's right. Like you, yeah. you, you're not going to take my brother's don't, big wheel. <laughs> don't mess with my sheep. Yeah, that's, that's right. it. Yeah. You know, yeah, and then and that, you that didn't think me. about it, and you I didn't did think it about without it without a thought. Right. And then yeah. think about it, and but and I and I believe with David, he didn't put thought into it because he knew what he needed to do. Yeah. So and, let's let's follow that same line of thinking, then, Ernest. So you going forward and getting older in life, and and realizing that these were situations that you didn't ask for, you didn't ask to be put in in them, but clearly God sustained you and gave you what you needed to act in the place that He had set you. And so moving forward, now you're a, a, a young man, an adult with choices who decided to start to do you for a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, but then, then you, at some point, I'm assuming that you came to this realization, I have some choices to make here about being the leader that clearly God created you to be back when you were a young boy. And so my question for you is, when did that happen? When did that happen for you? Is there a specific memory where you cognitively realized, I, I, I am a leader and this is how I'm going to serve and here's where I'm going to go do that? Well, uh, please forgive me. As I just shared with you that Harlem was, you know, one of the joy capitals. I remember <laughs> as I was getting into my later teens. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I said, God, I'm going to become a part of the the black mafia in Harlem. Okay. okay. What? And that was that. That was that was my mentality. Okay. You know, and I said, I'm going to learn from all of these guys. I'm going to learn from the Buffy Johnsons. I'm going to learn from, you know, these are names that we knew in Harlem. I'm going to yeah. learn from these guys. Uh, and I'm not going to do them. I'm not going to make the mistakes that they made. And I'm going to unify the guy. So that my mind began to think about leadership at that point. And this is about 19, uh, 20 or so. But as uh, Helen Bella said, thank God for a praying mother. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Because my mother prayed and that gangster mentality that was trying to captivate me. The Lord broke it. Mm. and allowed me to take that same uh, wanting to do, to serve mm-hmm. into the church. Mm. I became How a musician. How did that happen? Well, my mother started going to uh, Soul Saver Station at the age, when I was the age of five. Uh-huh. Um, and so although we, I had my time to wanting to run the streets uh, and still take care of my, my family as needed, because of her going to church, God planted that seed in me. Mm. And that's why the Bible is so true. And it says that train up a child in the way they should yeah. go. That's right. When they're old, they will not depart they from it. They will not depart from it. Mm-hmm. They may physically depart from yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But the mind will never depart from it because yeah. we will always think that mom took us to church or dad took me to church or grandma took me to church and taught me about the things that God that will always be on our mind. Mm-hmm. And because of, of our mother taking us to church and laying us on the altars yeah. of the church, it never left my mind. Yeah. And so I like, I, and I first got involved in ministry at the church with doing audio. Okay. Yes. Uh, and became, also became one of the drummers of the church. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then as I got older, you know, married children, uh, and then became one of the men's president of our organization, our district okay. uh, in New York City. Okay. So it's it's what's interesting to me is that um, how service, uh, servanthood, service, is the very definition of leadership. So when you look at people who are in leadership positions. Very often, we erringly assume that they're in this lofty position because it was handed to them or something. But here's what I love, uh, and this this parallels King David too. So you, you know, he started off, you know, taking care of sheep. You started off taking care of your little brothers. Then he went and he became a harpist, yes. right, for the king. You became a musician in the church for the king. Right. Yes. And and so you, you're serving in this way. And then in each step of willingness to serve in the place that he had, you took you to the next step and the next step and the next step. Right. And so that led you, though, to this place of when you were in these leadership positions on the I'm just looking back at my notes here, the president's council and things like that, that you felt lonely and that as a leader in that place that you, because you were serving other people, it was difficult for you to ask them to serve you by hearing what was on your heart, by hearing your loneliness. Yeah. So, so how, what did you do with that? What did you do with that in the moment when you felt lonely? How did you resolve that? Well, one of the things I had to do was to find other leaders Mm-hmm. I had to find, forgive me, I had to find other leaders. Yeah. But I had to find other leaders. And I thank the Lord because when I thought that there was no leaders to understand, the Lord allowed me to find other presidents, counts, mm-hmm. other uh, president council presidents, mm-hmm. and, sh- and talk with them. And then also talk with uh, a couple of brothers in my church who were in leadership. Mm-hmm. And just pour out to them. This is what I'm going through. This is how I'm mm-hmm. feeling, mm-hmm. Uh, and have them pray for me. And then, 
and also even having my wife pray for me. Yeah. Uh, But I never, I never shared a lot of what I was feeling with my family because I didn't want to burden them. Hmm. And so that's another reason why loneliness come. I think a true, uh, if I don't want to call it a true man, but certain men Mm -hmm. don't want to burden their families with what they're going through. Mm Yeah, it's and there's that ugly little beast named pride, right? (laughs) You know, it could be pride. You know, I'm not going to say it's not pride. You have some who operate in pride. Yeah. But then you have some who operate. I don't want to burden those people down. Mm -hmm. You know, burden my loved ones down with what's going on because these are Mm -hmm. choices that I made in life. Yeah. So I don't want to put this cross on them. So okay, so so let's talk. Let's talk about that. Um, I'm a, I'm a still gonna say that's pride. Maybe okay. not on a maybe not on a conscious level. Let, let, let's let's say it's, it's not pride on uh, a self righteous level or no, no, no. as you said a conscious level, but it it, it could be some pride. And I get that to you, Doc. I get that to you. Um, <laughs> I just I'm, I'm sorry. You know I have to push back when I think something, but I expect you. I expect you to push back too. So this is good. We don't have to resolve that. Right, right, right. We can right. both keep pushing back. But I, I, let, let's talk about that for a minute because that is something. You know, to be to be elevated in leadership, you have to be in not just in leadership, but in anything. To be elevated in spirit, you have to be willing to be humble. Yes. And and being humble means humbly admitting that you can't bear it all. That you right there's there is a need that you have that you feel lonely, that you feel whatever. Now, yes, there is wisdom in who you go to, right? Yes. To to um share your burden with you. Um but that's what you're that's what you're talking about is when you are willing to share your burden, to be humble and share that, confess that burden, confess that loneliness, confess that whatever you might deem as weakness, especially as a man, to confess that to somebody, then they can come alongside you and strengthen you. I think of Moses and Aaron, right? Like Moses is holding the rod up. Well, he could, Moses led the Israelites. Like dude was like the leader. He was the man, right? And Aaron and whoever else came alongside and said, let me hold up your arms for you, right? So that the sea can stay parted. And so that's something that I think you just hit on, something that you maybe a lesson that you've learned in being alone in leadership is that one of the ways to resolve that or work through that is to be humble and confess that and ask somebody to share your burdens. Absolutely. Uh, and what you just said hit the nail right on the head because there's two men of God in my life that the Lord has blessed me to to glean from. Mm-hmm. One is uh, my former pastor, uh, who is my spiritual father. His name is Bishop Alvin L. Tate. Okay. And then my current pastor, Bishop Robert Winley. Okay. Uh, just being able to talk with them and... Mm-hmm to share with them different uh, areas of my life where I felt lonely mm-hmm. or where I felt defeated or vulnerable mm-hmm. has helped me. And as you said, it's, it's caused me to know what humility is. Yeah, yeah. And exercise it. And exercise it. Yeah. Because, yeah. yes, because it's one thing to know what humility is, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's another thing to exercise it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's just like it's one thing to know what eating healthy is. <laughs> yeah. And it's another, it's another thing, thing to do it. To do it. That's right. That's right. Let me let me ask you this. If you would be willing to share, and and you can share as candidly or as not as you want. If you don't want to answer, that's fine. Um I wonder if you because you know, my desire with this show, Ernest, is to talk about the things that talk about the spaces in our thought worlds that people don't really talk about and and why it's not just to be salacious or gossipy. No. And it's not just to be transparent for the sake of transparency. It's because there's somebody listening to this right now who needs to hear 
that they're not alone in a thought or experience that they've had, but they think they're alone because nobody talks about this stuff. So here's my question for you. In your adulthood, in your adulthood, you know, in leadership, in, in any capacity, um, what's one of the most memorable times that you had to be vulnerable in order to thrive through something, in order to work through something? What's what's something that you really struggled being vulnerable with, but then after having decided to exercise that humility and be vulnerable, it was beneficial to you. In 2016, I underwent a double bypass. Okay. I'm 52 now and we're in 2021. Mm -hmm. But in 2016, I had a double bypass. In 2014, I had a stent. Wow. Uh, my first stent put in my, in one of my arteries, in my, one of my major arteries. 2015, went back and had another stent put in the same mm -hmm. artery. 2016, I was experiencing the same uh, pain that I was experiencing in 2014. Uh, they was about to put another stint in where, and then the, the lead cardiologist came and looked at my chart and realized that my, two of my arteries is about 75 to 80% clogged. Wow. And this is where my, my ministry to men really comes in. Okay. All of this was happening in my body due to stress. Uh, stress that I, some that I put upon myself mm. and others that uh, stress that I inherit and, or just with the job. Yeah. So yeah, you had from things those, outside of your control. Yes. You know, dealing with the family, uh, you know, one of the things, Sherry, we as Christians, we have to realize we have to guard ourselves. Mm. We have to guard ourselves as single individuals. And when we get married, we have to guard ourselves as married yeah, yeah. Uh, couple, uh, because the enemy is not going to stop attacking us because we're Christian. Mm. And he's not going to stop attacking. Oh, he's us. gonna up up his game. Exactly. That's what he's gonna do. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so, uh, being under and receiving a, re attacks in ministry, mm -hmm. uh, and in work, you know, just being an entrepreneur, and uh, the enemy attacking the family. These are different stresses that I was dealing with. And it left me vulnerable because I'm like, God, you know, what is what in the world is going on? Mm. You know, I want to do right. One of the, the favorite sayings that I live by is by Dr. King. I just want to do God's will. Yeah. I'm like, God, this is my prayer. I just want to do your will. Why am I going through all of this? Mm. And it happened. And it left me in a vulnerable state. And all of that stress weighed on my body. Yeah. To the point where no one else in my family have had a double bypass or had mm -hmm. issues that I had, uh, but because of stress and and just being feeling uh, left open and and once again going through a lonely moment, mm -hmm. this is what happened. Yeah, and that left me so vulnerable mm -hmm. to the point where ever since having a double bypass, I share with the everyone I feel like I'm Jeremiah I'm just weeping anytime <laughs> <laughs> you know because when I look back over life I'm like God life is too short yeah our bodies are too fragile yeah to mm -hmm. not take care of it mentally mm -hmm. spiritually emotionally uh and just in every aspect mm. yeah Absolutely. So, so that was an, that was a major experience in lo in loneliness, in feeling alone. Going back to when you were a kid, you were alone in this position of leadership. You were alone. What have you learned? It's been my experience, Ernest, that I learn the most uh, valuable lessons and the most about myself, and I see the most uh, potential even in myself in those dark, lonely spaces. And so what, what are just one or two things that you've learned about yourself because you were in a lonely space? One of the things I learned is uh, communication is key. Okay. We have to find someone to talk to. Mm. Yes, we talk to God in prayer. Mm -hmm. uh, and 
having that access to Christ is phenomenal, but he also wants us to find someone on this earth mm-hmm. to talk with. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I, I promote. That's a know, good point. Yeah. Yeah. I promote counseling. You know, if you have to go see a counselor, whether you're a Christian yeah. or not, go and go. talk mm-hmm. to someone. Yeah. Because God allowed them to be in that position for a reason. Yeah. Right. I remember uh, my pastor, Bishop Wendy, he preached a message some years ago, and I've never forgotten it. And I shared with him that I think I'm going to have to, you know, do a lesson plan on this. Mm-hmm. But it's called, the message was called Saved by a Stumbling Savior. Okay. Saved by a Stumbling Savior. You may be like, what is saved by a stumbling Savior? Jesus, you know, he never stumbled, but he did. When Christ was walking Golgotha Road mm-hmm. with the yeah. cross and the weight yeah. of the world, yeah. the Bible tells us that he stumbled. Mm-hmm. And Simon of Cyrene was called to give him a hand. Mm-hmm. If Christ himself yeah. needed the support of someone with carrying this cross, who are we not to ask for help? So good. So, so good. That's so powerful. Yeah. Yes. And so that's what, that's one of the things that I learned that uh, the Lord shared with me that you have to talk, you have to open your mouth. You have to ask for help. Yes. Yeah. And then go ahead. Well, I was just going to say for me, um, and this is definitely, I, I love having your, you know, a man's perspective on this, but for me, there's so much freedom that comes when I talk. It's like, oh, I'm so glad to get that out of my brain and <laughs> out of here, right? Like, I'm so glad somebody else knows about it. Yes. Yeah. God is a God of conversation. Yes. When it, he's a God of conversation. Yeah. The first thing he did God said, let, he said, let there be, and God created. When he was fellowshipping with uh, of Adam in the garden, there was conversation going on. Yeah, yeah. So God is a God of conversation. So yeah. he wants us to be his children of conversation. Whatever yeah. we're going through, the, the good times, talk about it. The sad yeah. times, talk about it. The victorious times, talk about it. The defeated times, talk about it. Mm. You know, and that's what that's what the body of Christ do. That's how we build each other up yeah. by talking and fellowshipping with one another. Mm-hmm. I love that. Talk about it. And so now you make a regular practice of doing that for yourself through your mentors. Yes. Okay. That's good. What would you tell to some, what would you say? So this is funny because, you know, originally this podcast started out for women, but I love branching out and getting the male <laughs> perspective. And because the the majority of my listeners and viewers are women, guess who they know? Men. Yeah. So they might know somebody that they're going to say, hey, you need to listen to this episode. So let, speak to them for a second, will you, Ernest, before we um, close out with the last couple of questions that I have for you. Speak to a man right now that he hears you and he says, or a woman for that matter. And, and they say, I, I, I hear you. Uh, yes, it's good for me to talk to somebody, but seriously, Ernest, I have no one. I don't even know where to start. What would you say to them? Well, I, one thing I would tell them not to do, and thank God that the pandemic came in because this actually shut it down. Don't go to, don't go talk to the bartender. <laughs> 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 he is not your person or she is not your person exactly exactly they're just going to keep the drinks coming to make that money <laughs> <laughs> All right but do not talk to the bartender um i would suggest if you if a person is in desperate need find a counselor uh-huh. you know you could google you know nearest yeah. counselor to my location yeah, and find that's if you don't have anyone that you can trust or you feel like you can't trust. Mm-hmm. And if you have someone that you can trust, uh, talk with them. Yeah. And, just and, do and it. you don't just do it. And the thing about what I learned, Sherry, is that we don't have to give them the whole story at the beginning. 
start stepping up mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what? I woke up this morning and I really wasn't feeling feeling right. Yeah. You know, instead of walking up, you know, I woke up this morning just ready to kill this dude. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, take steps because yes. yeah. you, some people you still have to fill out when you're speaking with them. Yeah, yeah. You know, because not everybody can handle a heavy story. That's right. But I would share, find someone mm-hmm. to talk with um, and get it off your chest. If you are a part of a church or a part of a ministry, yeah, I was going to add that. Go to your again. pastor mm-hmm. and say, Past, you know, share with your pastor. Yeah. Is that time that you can set aside for counseling? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I, w- I would take that one step further. Look, you don't have to be at most, um, most churches that I know, and that might not be the ending spot. But most churches that I know will have somebody who will make time to talk to yes. you, right? They will make time to talk with you. And that might not be the stopping point, but it might be the stepping point to the next person that yes. you're supposed to talk to, right? Yes. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. So, Ernest, a couple of questions as we get ready to close out here today. Um, and then I'm going to put in a plug for our uh, Wisdom Wednesday Clubhouse meeting. Amen. Um, so, uh, question, somebody, somebody says, I want to know Ernest. I want to get to know him. I want him to be my mentor. I want to know more about this guy. How do they reach you? What's the best way? Uh, they could reach, put in a plug in for clubhouse. You could come to clubhouse Wednesday, Wednesday. No, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I could be reached at, uh, my email, which is okay. Ernest Bryant Jr. at uh-huh. hotmail.com. Got it. Okay. We'll include that link in the show notes. Great. Yeah. So I always like to include a way for the listeners and viewers to reach you directly um, just because they don't want to say, hey, Dr. Sherry, how do I get in touch with Ernest? You know, I just want to give them the information and uh, then you guys can take it from there. I always like to leave that door open. Um, you never know yeah. who's going to come into your path that you might need or, you know, who's going to come into your path and they need to know you. So, yes, yes. One other question um, that I ask every guest, and this season is about thriving alone. So meaning growing, flourishing and prospering, even when you're feeling lonely. So if there's one truth that you want the listeners and the viewers to remember about thriving alone after this episode ends, what would it be? This is for the believer and the non-believer, the Christian and the non-Christian. About thriving alone, you have to have faith in yourself. You have to have faith in yourself that I can do it. And you're like, well, how can uh, unbelievers have faith in themselves? The scripture tells us that gifts are given without repentance. Mm. And so whether you have repented of your sin and come to Christ Mm -hmm. or not, God has placed something in you into Mm -hmm. all of us that can be flourished. But we have Mm -hmm. to have the faith that we can do it. Amen. That's, that's good stuff. So that's the perfect segue. So, I know y'all want more wisdom like this, and here's how you're going to get it. You're going to join us on the Clubhouse app, which is an audio chat app, and um, Ernest, so this is so cool. I'm just going to tell the listeners how we met. You know, you put in your bio in Clubhouse, oh, and by the way, it's just for iPhone users right now, so it's kind of elitist in that way, but- Well, if you um, have an iPad, you can use the iPad also. Or you can use it, right, but if you're not, if you're a droid person, then you're out Uh. of luck until they- until they add that feature. Right, right. But anyway, so this is for Apple users. <laughs> um, so I had put in my bio the keyword wisdom. So I got up one morning and I got a ping from Clubhouse and it said Wisdom Wednesday. And so I went into this room and lo and behold, there was Ernest. And that was the first time we met and we just had a conversation. And I think it was just the two of us that it entire was, yes. room the first time. And then um, I came back the next week and there was a couple more people. And then uh, you so graciously asked me to co-moderate the room with you. And so we've been doing that now for six, four, five weeks. About five weeks now. Yes. So it's really exciting. So anyway, Clubhouse, go to Clubhouse every Wednesday morning from 6 a.m. to about 7. Sometimes it's 6.45, sometimes it's 6.30. But from 6 to 7, join us in the room. And um, we just have great 
frank conversations about wisdom. I know this one uh, was a little more all about you. So thanks for being willing to be vulnerable and open up with us and share your wisdom. But so listeners and viewers, if you want more of Ernest, that's where you can get more. Amen. Amen. Is there Sherry, anything? Yeah. I love you with the love of the Lord. Oh, and I really you. thank God for you. As I share with my daughter, my daughter has come to love you. Oh, I love her. I want to meet you guys in just the worst yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and one of the things with, with Clubhouse, and I thank the Lord for that app, mm -hmm. is that it has brought different people in the body of Christ from different mm -hmm. locations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're coming together as one. Yeah. And as, as I always tell anyone, uh, when I talk about you and thriving uh, thoughts, uh -huh. you're my sister. Amen. That's right. You're my sister. And I That's truly right. thank God for you. Thank God for your wisdom that you're sharing with, uh, with just everyone who comes in contact with you. Yeah. So I'm truly thankful and uh, grateful and appreciative of you giving me the opportunity to share with your listeners. Yeah, absolutely. It's, Hey, it's my pleasure. I love this journey that God has taken me on and introducing me to all kinds of wonderful people across the world that I never would have had the pleasure of meeting. So it's an honor to have you on the show. Is there anything I did not ask you that you wanted to share? Not that you, you, you're rather thorough. Okay. <laughs> Leave no stone unturned. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I left that conversation with a huge smile on my face. I hope you love Ernest and his heart just as much as I do. And listen, I really want you to take this message seriously and think about your own life. Think about where you are now and maybe how God prepared you to be where you are now based on your childhood. This is some good self-reflection, deep dive, thriving thoughts stuff, you guys. I'm grateful to Ernest for sharing his journey in leadership from the young age of nine in Harlem to now as an adult still living in the Big Apple, serving in the capacity of leadership based on the gifts that God gave him. Tune in this Friday. Ladies, this message is just for you. This is going to be a message of how women can really support and inspire other women. This being the things that we do in our daily lives, the words that we speak, the actions that we take, the things that we pay attention to, how we can actually live out the idea of women loving, serving, and inspiring other women. Until Friday, my friends, please remember, always speak truth over the lies and you will thrive in any and every circumstance.